0: We got small groups are kicking off in a couple of weeks. Uh, we got our launch on that Sunday. And then this afternoon, we've got growth track every week. This afternoon is 301. And uh, if financial peace is of interest to you, then be here tonight for 301 at 4 o'clock because uh, you'll hear some things that will help you there too. Uh, we've, got, we've got some people that really help you with that. And if you're struggling with any, you want to see a, a dream happen in your life and it's not happening, we've got some people to help you. 301 is very important. In that, so we'd invite you to that, and then also, if I could give you one thing this year, uh, the 12 sermon series is about this being a year of opportunity. 2012 got 12 months, even got an extra day in this year because this is a leap year, got all of that happening, and we want to make the most of it because it's you know, still most of it's still out there in front of us. I mean, just two weeks are gone so far. I mean, you know. I told several people after church last Sunday, I said, I said uh, how's it going so far this year? And everybody said, good. I said, it's hard to mess it up in one week, isn't it? You know, it's hard to mess up, but, you know, you've still got so much of it out there in front of you. So what can we do to make the most of it? We've talked about that for two weeks now. This morning, I want to talk to you about, tell you that if there's one thing I can give you, if there's one, if, there, if there's something that I could just pour, I mean, I, I used to have a teacher in elementary school who said she wished she could just, uh, you know, unscrew the, the top off of our brains and just pour the information in and screw it back because she said that's the only way some of you are going to get it, I think. You know, if I could do something like that, if I, if I could go buy you a present and wrap it up and hand it to you for you to unwrap, if I could do something like that, if there was one gift I could give you this year to make the absolute most out of this year, it would be to give you... A prayer life. A real prayer life. Uh, Britt was just talking about uh, the presence of God. We just sang about the presence of God. Isn't, wasn't that wonderful? Uh, just standing there for, uh, you know, it's almost like for a few moments all of our problems just kind of do fade away. I mean, nothing else matters for those few moments. But, you know, if, if you will develop a prayer life, it won't be for a few moments on Sunday that all that goes away. You won't just be in his presence for a few moments when everybody else is singing and everybody else is worshiping him. But I know, like the video says, prayer's easy, but prayer's hard. It's really easy, but you and I make it hard. I, I hope to not spend as much time on the how and the why like I did in the early service. I can really spend more time on, on some of the easy at the end. That's what I want to share with you this morning. Let me, let me uh, read one verse of Scripture, give you a, the sermon title, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer. Revelation 3, verse 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Are they with me? Prayer is this simple. Answer the knock. That's how simple prayer is. Quit making it so hard. Quit making it so difficult. Quit making it a major undertaking in your mind. It's just answering the knock. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege, Lord, of standing in your presence today, God. God, and what an awesome thing it was, God, just just to feel your presence just sweep over us, to just, just pass by us, God, and, and almost as if you just, you just erased everything else in this world for those few moments. And God, I pray, Lord, that you, you enable us, God, to, to really get, get this today. God, to, to, to decide this year is going to be a, a year of prayer, God, that we're going to be a church of prayer, we're going to be a people of prayer, that individually we're, we're each going to be a man or woman of prayer this year, God. I pray, Lord, help us with this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Y'all are like a first service. Y'all are excited, aren't you? Everybody said, oh, amen. That's, that's better than the first service did. The second time, I made them do it twice, too. Okay, so I, I really want to take you to two, two places in Scripture and share with you something about I want to share some how and why with prayer. But like I said, I'm going to try to hurry through the how and why and get to the easy, okay? But one of them is the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And, you know, really when they asked that question, it's kind of amazing to me that the disciples would ask Jesus, teach us to pray, because they're Jews, right? I mean, they went to the temple, you know, they had been around it, they had heard prayers prayed and all of that. Now they see Jesus praying and they see, uh, you know, his normal prayer life and all this, and they come to him and say, Oh, it's almost like, you know, okay, paraphrase here. You know, this is like the amplified version of this, of this phrase for me, okay? It's like, it's like, oh, Jesus, this thing that you're doing, this prayer is so powerful, but man, it looks so hard. You're going to have to teach us how to do this thing. But instead of Jesus saying, okay, you got to do this, 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 he says, look, pray like this. He says, pray after this manner. And I, and I know, and some people have, have really dug into this and studied this so much, but I think what he was saying is, hey, you just need to cover about five areas, Okay? And the first one is honor. He said, You just need, he said, He said, honor God. Remember, here's how he began. He said, Pray like this. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He honored him. And in honor that's praise, that's worship, that, that is saying, Look, I know who I am, and I know who you are. And, and, you know, it's, it's not about uh, posture. I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about even argue about posture in prayer. You know, if you kneel, you bow, you, you know, you stand, you sit, or you whatever, you know, lay out on the floor, you know, or should you, you know, do you lay on your stomach, do you lay on your back, you know, all of that. You know, posture isn't important. Here's what posture does. Posture just helps you with your attitude. You know, and if you kind of don't have a really good attitude about God, like you're, you've been approaching him like your your buddy instead of, our Father, then you probably do need to get on your knees and you know, bow right on your knees. That would probably be a good thing because the posture will help you with your attitude. But what this, this first thing is all about, he says, you need to honor God, okay, and praise the Word. And you know what? It's so simple to do that. Is, you don't have to have any great words, but you know, when you wake up in the morning, if you, you know, look outside and you know it's a, it's a beautiful day and you say, God, thank you for the beautiful day. Hey, you're honoring God, okay? You're honoring God. I mean, you're already praying just by doing that and saying those words. How simple, how easy it is to just do that. Now, there's another, there's another passage of Scripture I want to kind of fold in here a little bit, and it's from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And this is when they finished the temple, the very first temple. The, the temple in Jerusalem was built, and it was torn down. It was destroyed a couple of times. And, and this was the very first time it was built. They get it finished. Solomon is built. It. it is awesome. It is beautiful. We preached a series about that last year and about all the gold and the, the, the money they put in, the time they put into it. When they get finished with it, they have this big dedication service. And when they have this big dedication service, God shows up, and God speaks out of heaven, and he makes them a promise about their prayers. And, and, and the beginning of it is in Second. Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. The beginning of it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Okay, so here's the prerequisite. The first thing God, Jesus says about it, and then the first thing God says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is, You gotta humble yourself and honor God. Okay, you gotta honor Him. You gotta humble yourself. Remember who you are and remember who He is. That's what it's about. Humble yourselves and pray. And so, listen, everything else I'm gonna tell you about this, the rest of this message. Every promise that is there, every blessing that is there, every good thing that could happen in your life, the first prerequisite is you gotta pray. Okay, it ain't going to happen if you don't pray. You can sit here through all this service. You can enjoy the, the, the music, you know. You can, you can even, you can even uh, uh, come down to the front with us and close this morning and all that. But if you don't pray, none of it's going to happen. That's the first prerequisite, okay? Now, the second one is this. Declare his will, okay? Because Jesus said it this way. Uh, uh, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So he's declared, God, whatever, you know, your kingdom, I want it in my life. Not just in this world. A lot of times that's all we pray. We're praying about his kingdom. But no, in, in, in my life as well. And what Jesus, uh, or what God said in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, is he said, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the gist of all this. Is that we don't really like to pray for God's will. We don't want to pray for his will because his will supersedes our will. And his will, a lot of times, messes up our will, right? I mean, most of us have a plan for our life, right? How many of you got a plan for your life? You got a plan? How many of you got a plan for lunch today? Anybody got a plan for lunch? Okay, so some of you got a plan. The rest of you, y'all just floating through life, right? Y'all ain't got a plan. I don't believe that. I, I mean, most of us have some kind of a plan, right? We got a plan. And we don't like to pray God's will because we don't want him messing up our plan. But here's the question. How's your plan working out for you? You got a plan for your marriage, yet it's in, you know it's it's on the rocks today. I mean, you know it's struggling. You got a plan for how you're raising your kids, but they're not going in the direction you were hoping they would go. You got a plan for your finances and how you're going to handle them, but it ain't working. You know the job situation is horrible and all that. You know things aren't working. Hey, you know what? You know what you need to be praying. You need to say, God, I need your kingdom to come into my life. Your will. Let your will be done. And instead of seeking this this Santa Claus God that a lot of people seek, seeking His hands, He wants us to seek His face. You know what I'm talking about? You know Santa Claus. You know you, how long? You know when you were a kid? Anybody here still go sit in Santa Claus's lap? Uh, we might have. Yeah, we got two or three still, I guess, uh, here in the sanctuary with us today. Uh, y'all looking around like y'all looking for some adults? No, I'm talking about the little kids. So that they, they probably. How much time do you sit in Santa Claus's lap? Exactly. Isn't that the way we treat God on Sunday morning? We come and we crawl up in his lap for just a few moments and we give him our list. Here's our wish list. This is what we want, God. And then we don't... We don't want anything to do with him rest of the week because we don't want him messing with our plan. Just bring me what I want. We're seeking his hands and what he has to give us, but we're not seeking his face. But God wants, God wants a people who don't just want what he's got in his hands. They want to see his face. They want to hear his voice. They want to know his voice. They want to experience. They, They want to, they want to know what his emotions are like. They want to know what his, what his whole being is about. That's who God wants to have. And so these are the two prerequisites to getting all this that we want from God, is honor him and then ask for his will. And listen, if you're not going to ask for God's will, you're kind of wasting your time praying in the first place, okay? I mean, you need to, because you got to mend that in because that's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he said, he said, God, if there's any way, he knew he was going to die on the cross the next day. He says, there's any way other than this way, Father, let it be done. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Thank God he prayed that because you and I have salvation because he prayed that. And your families are people who are depending on you. They are depending on you and, 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 and what is going to happen. Good in their lives is going to happen. Not because you just you, you pray for a few moments and get away from it, but because you, you, you encompass this whole thing of prayer into your life. And, and you turn this whole thing into a big, and you say, God, I want your will. I need your kingdom to come into my life. Okay, the, the third thing in this, in this prayer is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Now, he, he, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses, or forgive us our sins. And we don't like the next phrase, do we? As we forgive those who sin trespass against us. We don't like that part, but, it, but look at what it's saying, as. That little word as, A-S. So what it is saying there is I can only be forgiven. I can only ask for forgiveness. I can only expect forgiveness from God as I am willing to give it to others. Ouch. Because let me tell you, I'm not real perfect at that. I'm not real good at forgiving others. I, 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 you know, I, I try, but I, I realize sometimes there's some of it still there. And you know what he says in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14? He says, if those people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he said, then I will forgive their sin. If they will turn from their wicked ways, he says, I'll forgive their sin. And who said that? He said, I will forgive their sin. This is God in heaven that says that. You know, you don't, you don't need to come to the front. There are some churches around in our town today that you could go and, and you could go talk to the pastor and he'll forgive your sin. I don't want a pastor. I don't need a man. I don't need a person to forgive. I need God. I mean, the king of glory, the the one who hung on the cross and and bled all that blood for me, I want him to forgive me because when he forgives my sin, it is complete. It is total. It is gone. It is, as we say, separated as far as the east is from the west. I need him to forgive. And he says he'll do it if we forgive others and we turn from our sin. Now, listen, there's no reason for him to forgive you if you sin, if you're going to keep on living in it, right? I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, turn from He says, turn from the wicked ways then I'll forgive their sin. And then he says, and I've got this a little out of order, but I'm pulling it all together in a way, but he also says, pray about your needs too. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. And some of you may have bought into the lie that uh, that there's a lie out there. Some people say, well, what he's saying there is you should only pray for your daily bread. Don't ask him for anything more. Don't ask him for a hamburger patty to go on that bread you know, so that you can put some ketchup whatever else with it. You know. No, 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 no. Can't have a steak. Don't pray for a steak. Don't pray for the good things of God. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying only pray for bread, just enough to get by. That's not what he wants. I mean, that's, that's one of the problems we have about praying God's will. It's because we think God, you know, some of us think God, I'm, I'm not going to be part of that, okay? I, that's why I changed that. Some of us think God wants us to struggle through life. That he wants us to just have just enough. So we're always dependent on Him. Let me tell you, in my most blessed times, I'm still dependent on Him, okay? But here's what He is saying. He is saying that even for your daily bread, you should talk to God about it because He's even concerned about making sure you have the very basics of what you need. What he's saying is, is, uh, pray for all of you, even the most basic. So so what he's saying is, whatever you're sick of, pray for healing. If if you've got cancer this morning, pray for God to heal. Or if you've got a headache this morning, pray for God to heal. I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't pray over a headache. Just take two aspirin. No, he's saying, no matter how big or how little it is, God is concerned with what you need today. So pray and ask God, even for your daily bread, ask God to give it. And you know what he says in the Second the Chronicles, if, we, if we're folding this in, you know what he talks about about your needs right there? He says, if, if my people will, will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways, I'll forgive their sin. He said, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land, not just their bodies not just not just their bodies and not just this little thing and so so i, I come to the front and, and oh man we see this so many times in the new testament that people would come to jesus with some one little something and then he would touch everything else in their life and he would fix so many other things he he would forgive their sin even though they were coming for a healing or he would heal them even though they were coming because of their sin or something like that it's like it's total with God. And so here's what he does. We come to the front maybe, or we ask somebody to pray. We come down and we ask a prayer team member to pray with us. And we're praying over this one little thing. And what God's saying, I don't want to just touch that one little thing. I don't want to just make you better for a few minutes. God says, I want to heal your land. The place where you're planting and sowing all week long and you're working to raise raise the, the funds to provide for your family. God says, I want to heal that. What's not working in your life this week, you know, where, where your marriage is is growing, where your kids are growing and maturing and and learning. I want to heal that land where all of that is growing in, the the disease and the pestilence that is robbing the blessings that I gave you yesterday. I want to heal that so it doesn't rob it again. God is saying, I want to heal your land. I don't need God to just touch me for a moment today. I need my land healed. Somebody say amen. And then he he says deliver. He he talks about deliverance. He, He kind of closes it with that. He says deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. And I mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane just a, little while, just a little while ago. In that Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus went and he prayed three times. And he kept coming back and finding the disciples asleep. And, and when he was praying, you know why he was praying this night? Now, now, we know that he prayed other times, but this is the night that we know what he really prayed. Why? Because he knew what was going to happen in the next 24 hours. He knew he was going through a struggle. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to be taken to Calvary. He knew he was going to be, he was going to be nailed to that cross. He knew that, he knew that everyone was going to forsake him. He knew that those 11 guys still in Gethsemane, because Judas was going to doing his thing, you remember. He knew that every one of those 11 guys, that they, because of the, the arrest that was about to happen in just a few minutes, he knew that they were going to be so scared they were going to scatter. Everyone was going to leave him. He had already told Simon Peter, you're going to deny me. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And he knew that they were all going to scatter and leave him. And Even though it said one followed him, but it said he followed him from afar off. He kept his distance. Just watched Jesus from afar off. One got so scared that, that when they grabbed a hold of his clothes and he just ran right out of his clothes. Jesus knew this was what was going to happen to them in the next few moments. And that's why when he came back and he found, found them asleep, he, he woke them up and said, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What he was telling them is, is he knew what was going to happen in the next few minutes. And he was trying to stir them and say, you got to quit sleeping. Wake up and realize there's something about to happen in your life. Do you understand this? The same thing is going on with you. That this God that we serve, He knows your tomorrow. He knows what your boss is going to be mad about next time he's mad at you. He knows the next problem you're going to have at work. He knows the next test that you're going to struggle with in school. He knows the next time your spouse is going to be mad. Are you listening? Some of you, you know, some of you really need to think about this. God knows the next time your spouse is going to be mad at you. And if we just listen, He wants to tell us, hey, wake up and pray that you don't fall into temptation and do the wrong thing here. He already sees the next thing. He knows the next part that's going to go out on your car. He knows the next pain that you're going to have. He knows the next financial uh, disaster or even the next financial challenge that you're going to have in your life. And here's what he when So when he starts knocking, like he said in Revelation 3.20, when he starts knocking, understand that he's saying, hey, wait, listen. I need to talk to you because I know the next thing that's going to happen in your life. I know the next time your kids are going to be rebellious. I know the next time your parents are going to be on to you because you're trying to serve God and do, instead of doing things their way. He says, listen, I want, listen, listen. Li-. And don't, don't be like the disciples and just roll back over and go to sleep when God, say, God says, hey, I want to talk to you. Understand, He needs to talk. And you need to, you need to hear because He knows things that nobody else knows that are going to be happening in the next few moments. In that scripture, Revelation chapter three, verse twelve. Let me let me show all this. That whole thing. Back up that whole thing. I want show. Here's all of it. Here. All of these things. This is what it all it all fits together. All these parts. But listen, I think here's here's the way we make it hard, is we think we got to go through this formula. You know, there's sometimes I don't have time to pray all these. Somebody help me. Amen. You know, I don't have time to pray. All that's not what he's saying. Here are the things you need. You need to pray about honoring him. You need to pray for your deliverance. You need to pray for your forgiveness. You need to pray for your needs. You need to pray for your forgiveness and help God help you forgive others. But I don't have time to pray those every single time. That sometimes I'm talking to God about a need I've got that day. Sometimes I see somebody on the street that has a need. Sometimes I hear that some somebody is somebody is sharing a problem they've got standing right in the right in the checkout line at Walmart, and I don't have time to pray over all those. These are just this is not if you don't do this and so I think that's part of the problem is we kind of we kind of think we got to do all these things and we haven't prayed yet, and that's why the prayer that should be so easy becomes so hard. We make it such a big, huge deal. And let me tell you how easy it is. Revelations 3.20. First of all, he says, Here I am. Here I am. Where is Jesus? Right here. He's not a long ways away. He's not a thousand miles away. He's not in your tomorrow. He's in your yesterday and your today as well. He's right here. You don't have to pray 20 minutes before you connect with him. All you got to do Is answer the knock Here I am, right here He says I stand Anybody ever driven by somebody's house That you know and blew the horn at them Y'all do that? We used to do that all the time when I was growing up Uh, People used to be out in the yard a lot more Back when I was growing up too You could blow the horn at them, they knew who was blowing But you know what, Jesus isn't saying I'm passing by, I'm blowing the horn Throw a wave up at me He says I'm standing, I'm here I'm waiting, I'm right here Been here all along. Been waiting on you to get ready to open up the door. He says, I'm here, I'm here, right here. I'm standing. Not going anywhere. I'm standing right here. You know, the last time you had a need, I was standing here. Today you got a need, I'm standing here. I'm standing. Here I am, I stand. And I knock. He didn't just walk up on your porch and say, well, uh, eventually they're going to get ready for me to come in. No, he's knocking. He's knocking. Behold, I stand at the door. And, knock. and some, some people translate, they say those words, and listen, I'm not a Greek scholar so I can't tell you, but some people translate, they say that Greek word says that I am standing or I continue to stand and I am knocking or I continue to knock and he's knocking. You know what he's saying by that? He's saying, I'm not just standing here waiting until you need help. I know you need help right now and I'm trying to get in to help you. Hey, let me in. Let me in to help you. And Let me tell you how easy this really is. Answer the knock. Okay, okay, let's try this, okay? Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Are y'all ready? Okay, we'll, we'll make sure everybody's ready because some of you, like you were, you were uh, thinking about lunch already. No, come on, stay with me here just a second. Everybody ready? Here, I'm going to show you how easy it is. Okay, ready? Right. Knock, knock. That's how easy it is. You thought you were going to get a joke, but no, that's not a joke. That's how easy it is. Just answer the knock. Answer the knock. And some of you, probably more of you ladies than men, you probably, when you go to the door, if you're alone at home, you probably say, who's there? If you don't know who it is, right? And you know, sometimes, middle of the night, I see a car I don't recognize, you know, and I might go to the door and say, who is it? You know, I've done, I have done that before. But most of the time, when I go to the door, I don't even have to say, who's there? Most of the time, it's middle of the day, or I recognize a car, or, you know, and so I just open the door to see who it is. And it may be, it may be that I recognize, I, I had an uncle that he always used to knock a real, kind of a, Cute knock, and we always knew it was him when he came to our door. Now, I, I you know what? I thought that's pretty cool. You know, everybody always knows it's him, and so I always, I started doing that. You know. And then everybody got doorbells and you can't really knock anymore, you know. And if I rang the doorbell like I used to try to knock like that, you all would get mad at me because it would be kind of irritating if I went ding, 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 ding. You'd probably be mad at me for doing all that on your doorbell. So I can't do that anymore. But, you know, it's kind of like it's pretty awesome because even before you got there, you knew who it was. Are you paying attention? This is a spiritual truth right here. Before you got there, you already knew who it was. You recognize the knock. You recognize the voice at the door. You recognize the car. There was something about it that it f- was familiar. And you knew it was God. You didn't have to say, who is it? You just said, please, come on in. Sometimes, you know, our kids are c- come over for dinner. You know, sometimes all the kids come. And, you know, two grandkids, they all come. And, and uh, Brent and Lauren bring the dog, too. You know, we've, had, we've never had that. You know, they come over. And you know what? When, when it's time for them to be there, if they knock on the door and I know it's time for them to be there, I don't go say, who is it? I know it's time for them to be there. I'm expecting them. Okay, is, is, Can somebody add two and two together right here? I'm expecting them. I don't have to ask you. I've been expecting them and I unlock the door and open it. But if they ever come to the door and the door's unlocked, they know they don't knock. And if I know it's time for them and they're on their way, I'll go to the front door and I'll unlock it. Because it's time for them. And they don't knock at my house anymore. You understand? And so today I encourage you, answer the door, answer the knock one last time. I know most of you probably answered that knock one day when Jesus stood at the door and knocked. And he said, look, I, I got something you need. I got forgiveness of sins. I've got and you answered the door. But for, but for most of us, it's almost like we get saved and we say, okay, God, see you later. And we usher him right back out the door. And then, the, and then we start having problems and he starts knocking. You know, we've got a question, and he's knocking. Today, I want to encourage you to do something. Answer the knock one last time, and then leave it unlocked. As he's standing here and knocking today, unlock the door, and just say, come on in. I don't ever want you to leave again, God. That's what he wants. See it at the end of this verse? He says, I'll come in, I'll eat with that person, and they'll eat with me. He says, I'm going to stay for supper. I almost, I almost use the Aramaic translation because that's pretty much what it says. He, says. he says, I'm coming in for supper. He's going to stay for supper. That's what I need. And that's what you need too. You don't need a God to show up every once in a while when you've got a question. You need a God who, sh- who stays with you every single day and answers all of your questions. And the next time, you say, I know some of you say, what about that time when the, when the devil's knocking at Well, that's why you need God in the house. So when the devil knocks at the door, you can say, hey, God, would you go see who that is, Jesus? Let him stay. Open the door. Let him come in. Because have you ever thought about how Jesus went to dinner? I thought of three, three, three things. I, I, I'll throw these at you real quick. Three stories in the, in the Bible where he, he kind of went to dinner or went to eat. One was a wedding reception. They ran out of something to drink. And Jesus just, boom, created the best they'd had to drink all day long. And then there was the time where he was was preaching. 5,000 families were standing there, and they were all hungry. And he took one little little basket, a little boy's lunch of, of fish and bread. And he started praying over it, and he broke it up. And it just started multiplying, and he started passing it out. The disciples helping him. They fed those 5,000 families. And then when they were done, they took up 12 baskets of the remnants of the scraps. They ended up with 12 baskets when they started with one. Can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't just bring enough. He's not just a God of your daily bread. He's a God of more than enough. He's a God that always has abundance. And there was another time he did that. You know, he almost sunk their ship. Y'all, y'all remember that? He almost shunk, sunk a boat one time because they were fishing and they weren't doing any good. He said, put your nets on the other side. And when they started pulling them up, they got so many fish, it almost sunk their boat. He's a God of more than enough. And when they realized it was Jesus, this was after he had died and he had resurrected. Uh, when this happened, they realized it was Jesus and they hurried to shore as fast as they could, but they weren't fast enough for Simon Peter. He jumped out of the boat and he swam to shore. And when they got there, it doesn't say anything about Jesus. It doesn't say anything about him having a fire. It doesn't say anything about him having any fish. He just shows up on the beach. But when Simon Peter gets there, you know what? You know what's there? Breakfast. He's roasting fresh fish over a fire. Breakfast is ready when they get there. That's why you need Jesus to come in and stay. That's why you need him at your dinner. And I'm not just talking about your food. I'm talking about every need that you have in your life. Because here's what happens when Jesus stays for dinner. It's because what he prepares is always the very best. Secondly, what what he prepares is always enough and it's always more than enough. And when he prepares it, it's always right there, right on time when you need it. Answer the knock today for the last time in your life. Answer the knock. Stand with me if you will. Would you come to the front? Let's all come to the front. We're going to close in prayer. We'd like to close with a last song and a final prayer. So if you're a guest, please come join us. Would just like to do that? Go ahead and get ready. I'm going to push this, this right now. Come on, press on in just a little bit if you can to get everybody out of the aisle. the aisle. Is there somebody, no, I'm not going to ask that. I know there is somebody here, but we kind of ask that in a polite way anyway. Is there somebody here that will say, I have something I need God to do this week. I need him to show up and I need him to stay for dinner. I don't need him to go home when we say amen in a few moments. I need him to stay in my life. Is there somebody to slip up your hand and say, I need that right now. Let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to come get with one of these prayer team members right now. That's facing you. I want you to come get with him. Listen, this is serious. I ask you because I know some of you got some serious things. John, Christina, y'all got a, y'all got a surgery. Gabriella got a surgery this week. Michelle, go and pray for them right now. They got uh, their their baby, a year and a half old, is having a surgery, having surgery this week. This is serious. If you've got something you need God to do for you, come find one of these other prayer team members right now and ask God, ask God and let them help you pray about that, okay? Bow your heads with me. Come on, move this way if you've got a serious need. Come on, move this way and let somebody pray for you. For those of you that those of you that aren't moving yet, those of you that aren't don't have something you got I want I want all of us right now just bow our heads. Jamie's gonna lead us in a final song. I, I don't want you to start singing until you finish praying, okay? But here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to unlock the door. Answer the knock. He's standing there at the door knocking. Answer this knock one last time today. And for the rest of this year, let 2012 be a different year, a year of prayer. Leave the door unlocked. Expect Jesus. Tomorrow morning, ask the Holy Spirit right now. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Tomorrow morning, Holy Spirit, when I wake up, remind me that the first words out of my mouth be, Good morning, God. Tell Him good morning tomorrow. Let's start every day the rest of this year by saying good morning to Him and and let that and let that relationship build. He doesn't want to just come in for a moment. He wants relationship. When you're driving down the road and, and you're struggling you're struggling with a battle. He he wants to be right there where you can you can just whisper his name. When in the middle of the night when you're, when your child it starts running a fever, you know he doesn't want you to have to introduce yourself and say, "Hey God, this is Rick. We hadn't talked in a while." No, he wants you to be able to say, "God, you see the need right here. Please touch my child." And heal them right now. He wants relationship. He wants to come in and he wants to stay. Tell him right now God, I'm unlocking the door for the last time.